Hey everyone, this is your host Josh Baker with the Intelligent Conversations podcast where we believe everyone has a form of intelligence that resides within them. Our goal is to encourage these type of conversations for our audience to listen to. Without further ado, welcome to the show. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Intelligent Conversations podcast. Today I have the honor to speak with Robert Saul. He has been a pediatrician for over 44 years and has developed a keen awareness of parenting skills, raising children to be good citizens, and how to improve our communities. He has written countless books that covers the topic of parenting. So I'm sure we'll hear a lot about that, and I'm looking forward to it. So Robert, thanks for coming on to the show. I look forward to listening to what you have to say here today, but I want to dive right into this. How did you develop this keen awareness for parenting? Well, I would say it was over a lifetime. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 didn't, it didn't develop right away. Um, and uh, it's, it's a skill that was honed over time. I mean, seeing thousands uh, of people and reading and understanding uh, human interactions has led to, I think, an awareness that's of some benefit for me to share with others. In many ways, it started, I mean, I finished my, tr- my training in 1979. Okay, and went into private practice at that point, and and was determined to be the best darn doctor I could be. Um, and uh, so I was really involved in medicine. And uh, but then after about fifteen years, I found I had not been involved in my community like I should have been. And I heard twelve words that have had a profound impact on me, and I hope can have a profound impact maybe on some of your listeners. I heard a speaker say, for anything that happens in our community, I am the problem, I am the solution, I am the resource. Uh, Meaning that for anything that happens, it's not their problem, it needs to be my problem. And for me to, and I need to devote my resource, and I need to be part of the solution. And to do that, I need to devote my resources to it. So I must admit, it took me almost, it took me two to three months to sort of internalize that message. Okay, what does that mean? What do I do? And then I finally went to the folks in the community said, you know, put me in coach, I'm ready. I'm, I'm ready to do some good. You know, I'm ready. I'm, I'm understand. I know, it. I, I know everything. Um, and I realized that I didn't, uh, but <laughs> I sort of got involved. Uh, and then six years later, April 20th, 1999, Two teenagers walked into a high school in Littleton, Colorado, massacred 13 people and killed themselves. That had a profound impact on me. And I asked myself, could that happen in my community? And the answer was yes. I asked myself, what had I done to make a difference? And the answer was not enough. So I I really was struggled. What can I do to sort of help turn some of this around, at least in little my little sphere of the world? Mm-hmm. And I Put, I sat down and put pencil to paper. Back then, we used to do that um, and uh, uh, wrote out what I considered to be the five steps to community improvement. And those have sort of become, that sort of was the stepping stone for what has now been almost a 30-year journey in terms of developing this keen awareness that you attributed to me at the very beginning. Um and I'll be glad to sort of go over those five steps if you like. Uh, yeah, I before we get into those five steps, I just want to like say that it's awesome that you right at the start when I asked that question, you're like, yeah, it took a process. Like, I think 
a lot of people like they think, oh, I'm going to do something now, right? They come in with a what I call a result-minded uh, mindset, like a result-oriented mindset. There, there's the word I was looking for. I'm like, where most of the time we probably need to come in with a process-oriented mindset. Where we're like, you know, it's the process that's the enjoyable part, you know, of going forward and figuring it out and learning as we go. It's not just, oh, one day I just figured it out. And I love that you brought that up. So yeah, I want to hear what are those five steps to help a community grow? Well, and it's interesting because I wrote down those five steps, but then I, I'm in many ways, I probably really didn't even know what I was writing because then over the next 12, 13 years, I wrote over 160 op-ed articles to the local newspaper about those five steps that helped me sort of articulate and understand what I was doing. So it was definitely a process. Step number one, learn to be the best parent you could be. And I chose those words carefully because parenting, like any part of life, is a lifelong process. It's a lifelong learning process. Um, so learn to be the best parent you can be. You don't step out of the box. You're not uh, there's nothing innate in terms of parenting, I think, in this complex world of ours. Um, and learning to be the best parent you can be. Not everyone has the same abilities or has the same set of circumstances or the same socioeconomic status, the same advantages or disadvantages. So everyone sort of needs to sort of use their skill set that they have. And one of the things I learned as a pediatrician early on in my career, I thought my job was to sort of tell people, you know, because they yeah. came to the doc, they came to the doctor, you know, tell me, doc, how do I do this? How do I do that? And yes, you can tell people, but in many ways, in terms of the parenting, my job was to help enable. My help, my job was to help empower. And my job in many ways sometimes was to gently peek behind the curtain. <laughs> and see what was there and how I could help them go forward uh, rather than you have to do this and you have to do that. So learn to be the best parent you could be. Number two, get involved. Uh, you need to get involved in your community. And that there's just, there's no formula for that. There's just so many ways one could get involved. Uh, exactly. That could be working at the soup, soup kitchen. That could be, you know, volunteering here, there, everywhere. Number three is, related but different i think stay involved it's sometimes it's easy to get involved but staying involved can be the trick um, and you don't have to stay involved in the same thing because yeah. things will change circumstances change but stay involved number four is the most intuitive but the most difficult in today's society love for others in our divisive society where it's us versus them <clears throat> and, you know, there, I don't know what happened, but we've completely lost uh, track of the golden rule and taking care of each other. Um, and then number five, I think, is the most difficult. And this is where I've been on a real lifelong journey is the whole matter of forgiveness. Um, and if you haven't read, I definitely recommend the little book called Tuesdays with Maury uh, by Mitch Album. Mitch is a sports reporter who found he was losing his way in his young adulthood um, and found out that his one of his prized college professors, Maury Schwartz, was dying with uh, amyotrophic lateral sclerosis or Lou Gehrig's disease. So he went to visit him every Tuesday before uh, Maury passed away. Uh, and I simplify here, but one of the things he talked about is forgiveness is one, um, forgive yourself 
for what you're feeling or for what you have done or haven't done. Two, forgive others and do it now. Three, do it now. Um, so those five steps, learn to be the best parent you could be, st- get involved, stay involved, love for others and forgiveness, or sort of set the stage for my journey going forward. Because then I put all those 160 plus op-ed articles and, and some others into a book that I published back in uh, 2013. That That's so cool. I, I agree with all five points that you put there. I think if we were to implement that, then I think we would have a lot better society. And like you said, not as divisive. And I kind of want to go to the steps two and three, when you said, get involved and then stay involved. I was just, I mean, I think you saw, I was like, oh my goodness, like that is so good. And something, especially coming into this new year, a lot of people, right. They set their new year's resolutions. They set their goals. And what, what happens is usually like they start and they're like, oh, I feel fired up. Right. And then they stop. Right. It's common theme. That's why that's how gyms make their money. Right. And I find it funny that you have step three. It's so important to keep being consistent. And I kind of want to get your thoughts on that. How important is it to remain consistent just in general, like consistency? Well, I think, it, you know, I think it's very important to be consistent in terms of your involvement, but don't confuse consistency with always doing the same thing. Ooh, okay. uh, I like that. Uh, Cause you're, you're, you know, you find, hopefully if you're in this learning process called life you you find you have to change things Um, yeah you know and that there's a fine line sometimes and it's in parenting and other things interpreting the ability to change the ability and then the ability not to change i mean sometimes we we can change too quickly Um, an example for that is one time i gave a talk at local church um, and, uh, and about how to become an elder instead of be- just becoming elderly. And somebody came up afterwards and said, well, you know, I'm just a curmudgeon. I'm just an old guy. I don't, um, and, you know, how do I avoid doing that? And it really, I didn't have an answer for it at the time. But now I, I think the answer is the ability to change, the ability to understand that you need to change your responses over time in a knowledgeable uh, loving way. I, I like, I like how you said that, like change, change can be a good thing. I think that's something that you, you want to, I, I guess you want to keep the, you want to keep the good and then the bad parts you want to try and change. I mean, that's just, it's in us all, right. It's, I want to, I have bad things about me that I want to change and I have good things that I'm like, Hey, you know, we can improve them. We can slowly get them better, but why, why do we need to do the drastic changes that probably need to be implemented on the bad parts and bad qualities of myself. And I think, uh, I, you know, I just want to ask this question. This just kind of came to me. What do you think is the one thing when it comes in regards to just the common, because you're obviously an expert at parenting. How, what, what is the most common, like, struggle that you see parents encountering and what can you do to change that? I mean, change there. Well, there's a lot of building blocks to that, but I'll jump ahead. Okay. To the finished, to, I'll jump ahead to the finished house for a minute. And then maybe we can go back to the foundation. Sounds and good. The walls and, the, and the bricks and that sort of thing. <clears throat> I think one of the major things is being consciously aware 
of where you are as a parent and consciously aware of where your child is as a child. Uh, we all go through different steps and stages. As parents, we're not set. Um, and children are definitely going undergoing developmental changes all the time. Yeah. Um, and so it's, it's, uh, we have to have a conscious awareness of what the parent, uh, the parental child relationship is and how we have responded to in various ways. Okay. Yeah. I, that, that's a great answer. I think I, I kind of want to get the, the problem there, but so that that's the solution there. Right. And then what would you say is the most common? Like, what would you say? I mean, again, it's a process, but what would you say is the most common like problem you see that what should be changed, I guess, is what I'm trying to ask here. Okay, well, let me let me give you a little bit of background of this paradigm that I have called conscious parenting, because I think that gets to your answer. Okay. Um, when I made a late career change, I uh, took a leadership course and it was called conscious leadership. And I, um, and so I draw a lot of what I, from that. And, and to simplify that, what they talked about was a line. And when you were above the line, you were open, you were receptive, you were ready to learn. You were a conscious leader. When you were below the line, you were closed, you were defensive, you were always right. Mm -hmm. um, so in many ways you were unconscious and the whole point about conscious leadership is just then knowing where you were knowing if you were above the line and even knowing if you were below the line for example we've all been in that three o'clock meeting where we're going oh gosh i can't wait till this thing is over uh, <laughs> and we're just silently saying that to ourselves and if we can recognize then that we're unconscious that we're consciously below the line then we can if if need be, we can make changes or we can just say, I'm just going to stay below the line till this thing's over. Well, I think this paradigm of a line is pertinent to parenting. When we're above the line or what I call the parental awareness threshold, you're open, you're receptive, you're ready to learn. When you're below the parental awareness threshold, you're closed, you're defensive because I said so, because I'm the parent. Mm -hmm. uh, and so you just need to understand where you are. And in any particular interaction, if you're, if you realize in, so you can exercise what I call conscious parenting, either in the moment or you, or in retrospect, you go, Oh, that didn't go well this morning. <laughs> you know, I really, <laughs> I'm really screwed up and, and how can I, how can I change? So the, sort of the to get specifically to your point, then I think what parents need to do is for any particular interaction that's that's difficult. I will say, I mean, some yeah. are very easy. Sure, you can do that, but no, no, you can't do that. Or I'm really upset because you did this. They need to pause, assess, and choose. So don't do that knee-jerk reaction just because you're angry. You need to pause, assess the situation, and choose. And, and a quick example is, and I use this in, the, in my Conscious Parenting book, mother picks up her child from, from school, drives through the drives through the drive through because the child says, I'm thirsty. And so they get a drink, and she passes it back to the child and says, don't spill this. Well, sure enough, you know, two blocks away, a couple turns, 
mom, my drink spilled. Well, you know, the immediate reaction could be one of two things. I mean, you could just fly off the handle. I told you not to do that. And if you pull over and start cleaning up and yelling, then figure out what's going on. Or you could pause, assess and choose. And because I use the example, what actually happened was because of that fast turn mom took, uh, (laughs) the book bag knocked the drink over. And that's what happened. Uh, So if the mother had indeed paused after she pulled over and started figuring out what to do, paused, assessed, she might have chosen a very different response than flying off the handle. Now, that's a simple thing, but I think every this paradigm of pausing, assessing, and choosing is not just for parenting, certainly. It's for anything, for any of our reactions with our spouse, with our friends, with our, you know, at the grocery store, whatever. Uh, but it's it's a critical importance in parenting. Yeah, I it remind when you were describing that it reminds me of something that my parents did with me. They're like, there's a lot of things because I was a hard kid. I will just be straight up. I was not like they told me they're like pretty much from when you were born on you were just you were difficult. Like there's something about you that you wanted to do it your way, and every time we try to do something, it won't work. And I remember that she told me when I was about. 15, 16, she's like, I had to learn. It took me a while to figure this out, but I had to choose my battles with you. Like I could sit there and just nitpick everything at, at you and just keep telling you, no, you can't do that. No, you can't. But just where I'm the person I'm like, no, I'm going to actually go out and do it. Like, sorry, this is what I want. And she's like, I realized I had to take a step back. Like, like you were saying, I had to pause, assess the situation and then be like, you know, is this really worth it to me? And is it something that will really make that big of an impact later. So throughout her, like my life, she chose her battles and where she got mad at me. And it's funny because now, like, because I'm the oldest of uh, four others. So I have three sisters and then a younger brother. And it's funny to see them because now she's implementing the things she did with me with them. And it's cool to see them kind of develop as well. Because I, I mean, I'm not married or I'm not dating seriously or anything like that right now. So I'm not looking to get into the marriage or anything like that right now, but in the future, I'm like, that is something I want. So I I look at how they did it and I'm like, yeah, I can learn something from you guys. I mean, you guys did a pretty dang good job with me. Like, thank you. (laughs) But I, I kind of want to get another example. I, I think, especially in today's society, there's just a lot of, like you said, divisiveness, fear, just a lot of uncertainty, especially in my generation. I mean, we can just turn on the channel, the the news, and it's just like, oh man, a lot of just bad stuff are going on. How how would what would you be your advice for just people? How how would they deal with that? How would you raise a child in that in this time period? Well, I think what we've lost track of in our society is what our role is. In my uh, bias is parenting is raising your child to be a good citizen. Citizens care for each other. Citizens care about each other. Uh, citizens take care of each other. Um, and that's the importance, you know, uh, related to that is the pursuit of happiness. Um, mm. You know, I, I remember my, my, parents ended up in divorce. And so I remember my mother feeling very guilty 
and said, Bob, I just want you to be happy. I just want you to be happy. And, you know, I could have then just sort of pursued whatever made me happy. And I feel like we've gotten that, that selfishness has sort of pervaded our society these days. But fortunately for me, and it sounds like for your parents, fortunately for me, my mother set the right example. She was a good citizen. She taught me how to help take care and understand about others. Um, and so I learned that. And I, so all these five steps that I've talked about um, and this conscious parenting, I think is all heading toward raising our children to be good citizens. And I think happiness is a gleeful secondary side effect of, of being a good citizen. Mm -hmm. uh, and I like the words of Michael Curry, who is the uh, Archbishop of the uh, Episcopal Church in, in the United States. Um, the, he talks about the opposite of love is not hate. To his mind, the opposite of love is selfishness. Uh, and I think we've sort of become very selfish in our society. Instead of good citizens are in many ways selfless. They're ready to not just see themselves as what everything is around, but uh, how they have to help others. And, and I'll... I don't mean this to be political, but as a physician, to me, what's the one of the most discouraging things we face right now is the selfishness of not enough people being vaccinated, uh, because that's what's going to end this pandemic or make this pandemic less. Um, so I think citizens understand that they have to help take care of each other. And so I, I, that's a, sort of an indirect answer to your question. But if we're going to deal with the issues that are in our society today, to me, the goal was to be a good citizen and to understand how to be a good citizen. Uh, yeah. And that's the, that's the path toward making a difference in the, in the, in the question that you asked. Yeah, I, I like that. I think ultimately, for me, what I think it comes down to is also you've got to sit down and have a conversation with both sides too, right? Because I think a lot of people, right, they, like you said, they don't pause, right? Especially they, they just spew out what they think right then and there, right? They don't actually take the time to listen to people and understand their point of view, right? And I, I mean, that's, that's what I think is also like what would happen there. But I kind of want to lead into this uh, question here. It is, the intelligent question of the day. How would you help kids deal with fear in today's society? Well, my answer is like, I guess like most of my answers maybe is indirect, but I think it answers the specific question of uh, the ability to practice forgiveness. Uh, and that might not, that sounds weird, but I think if you understand that no one's perfect, uh, that we're all uh, gonna be making errors, uh, ourselves included, we have to be able to forgive ourselves and we have to be able to forgive others. Uh, so when people are saying things that don't make any sense, that make us fearful, uh, and then we finally are willing to learn and understand that we shouldn't have responded in that way, shape, or form, then we need to be able to forgive ourselves that we responded that way and maybe start to forgive others. Uh, and that gets me this back to the, um, 
the issue of fear. We talked about, I am the problem, I am the solution, I am the resource. Let's change the pronoun. We are the problem. We are the solution. We are the resource. Um, so we need to understand that we have this communal um, responsibility to each other. So if, if people are trying to make us fearful of things, it's our job to understand what the what is behind that, in my mind, sort of fear mongering. Um, and if it's if it's correct, so be it. If it's not correct, then let's change our tune uh, and try to understand how we can exercise forgiveness going forward. Because forgiveness is not just personal. Forgiveness is communal. We need to understand how to forgive on a communal basis. And the example for that is the American Medical Association many years ago did not allow black physicians, probably out of fear for what it would happen, yeah. what would happen. Then they realized their mistake and started allowing any physician in. Um, but 15 years ago, the organization issued a, a group apology. Now they didn't have to do that. They could have said, wasn't me. I didn't do it. I didn't, I didn't keep those people in. It was those yeah. people back then, but they recognized it was us. In a group apology, communal forgiveness can have a, just a tremendous benefit going forward, resetting our moral compass uh, and acknowledging the past problems that have occurred. So it, it turns the I to the we. We are the problem. We are the solution. We are the resource. So... I, I went all around there on your, how do I keep kids from living in fear? It's learning, understanding, uh, and forgiving and forgiving. I love that. That, that right there is the intelligent answer of the day. That was, that was awesome. That was, that was incredible. Thank you for sharing that. That was, that was cool. I, a little bit on the, I, I kind of want to touch on some of the things you said. One of the greatest things, and I don't know if you agree with this, but one of the greatest things a leader, any individual can do is admitting that they're wrong and taking ownership of a situation when they're wrong. And also, because I think we have no issue, right? Taking ownership when we do something right, or even when other people do something right. And it's like, oh, I kind of want a piece of the, the fame, the glory, the success, right? And, but when something bad happens, when something wrong happens, a lot of people are like, oh, well, like that wasn't me. I, I was over here doing this and this and this, right? I it I think a lot of that that's what came to my mind when you're saying that. I'm like, I think one of the most powerful things that someone can do is say, you know what? We got this wrong. Like, sorry guys, but we got that we got it wrong. And we'll try our best going forward. And can you just please forgive us? And I, I again to your point, I think we need to have that open heart and say, hey, we forgive you guys. Like. You, yes, you messed up. We were trying to tell you guys like, hey, you messed up on this. Like, why, why are you doing this? But again, we, we have to forgive them and say, hey, it's okay, man. Like, welcome back. Like, it's glad you're, we're glad you're here, right? And you're going to continue to do great things. And another point is I would say, don't let one bad thing also define a person, right? I mean, again, it's that change over time they start doing multiple bad things over the course of a period of time, then maybe we need, I mean, use discernment and say, Hey, maybe not associate with that person. But if they make one bad decision, be like, Hey, whatever, I forgive you. Like 
as long as they come up and they say, Hey, we were wrong. I admit it. I think that is something that we could have in today's society and it would improve a lot of what, you know, it would fix a lot of problems in my opinion, if that were to happen. So uh, I kind of, I kind of want to wrap up and begin to get your final thoughts. What do you want the audience to remember about Robert Saul? What do they want to remember about you? Um, well, I think, you know, one of the important things of parenting is being a conscious parent, being aware of what you're doing and how you can change in the moment and how you can change in retrospect. We're all going to make significant errors. Uh, when you do make a significant error, don't be afraid to apologize. Don't be afraid to ask for forgiveness uh, and move to the, and move to the next level. Um, so uh, I have to tell you a quick forgiveness story. The, okay, uh, my son, go ahead. Uh, my, uh, my son was about six or seven, did, did something I didn't, th- I didn't really like, and I yelled at him, and he turned into a puddle. My wife got mad at me for yelling, and we turned into that family meltdown mode where nobody talks and everyone walks past each other uh, for a couple hours. Mm-hmm. It was bedtime. I laid down with him. I said, son, I'm so sorry. I think you did something wrong. But dad's response was completely inappropriate, and I was wrong, and I want to apologize. He said, Dad, would you be quiet? I said, why? He said, I hate it when you're nice. Um, so I, I don't think, I don't say that to praise me, but to, even back then, uh, before I sort of came up with this paradigm, I was a conscious parent, was under, understood that I had done wrong, and I needed to make a change. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for sharing that story. That was, that was an awesome little touch to the end. I, I love that story there. So I'm sure you have books. I mean, you mentioned them a little bit as we were going through. Uh, could you just like list off those books? If you have a visual, you can provide that. And if they want to get in contact with you, reach out to you, social media, email, what was the best way that they can do that? Well, f- four books. My, the first book was My Children's Children, Raising Young Citizens in the Age of Columbine. Um, so that's, um, and I chose My Children's Children because it's for my grandchildren, it's for the children I've cared for over my 40 plus years. And it's for the children I've advocated for. Uh, on, um, then there's a children's book, an illustrated children's book that is, accompanies that. Then there's a more scientific book called Thinking Developmentally uh, about taking the science of early brain and child development and figuring how to translate that into action steps in society. Uh, and then there's the most recent one, Conscious Parenting, Using the Parental Awareness Threshold. My website is www.mychildrenschildren.com, uh, where it has my has my books, has something about me, and has my blog. I usually put something on the blog every uh, 10 to 14 days. Of, it can be parenting. It can just be my take on how to lead a good life or those kinds of things. Okay, sweet. Thank you. So everyone that's listening, that's Robert's information if you want to reach out to him. And Robert, thank you for coming on. I really enjoyed the conversation that we had here and what you had to say. I think a lot of people could use what you said here. So just thank you for coming on, man. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. All right, everyone. As you can tell, that is Robert Saul. He's a very intelligent person, has intelligent things to say. I'll take a lot of things that he said to heart and apply it into your life. So stay tuned till next week. We have a great guest lined up for you guys that week as well. See you guys next week and let's get after it. 
Hey everyone, if you liked this episode and would like to hear more, be sure to hit that subscribe or follow button. We release a new episode every Wednesday for you guys to listen to. Thank you guys so much for the support that you give. We could not have done this without you guys. If you would like to be a potential guest on the show, check out intelligentconvos.com and fill out the form there. Thank you guys again, and let's get after it.